Welcome to the Your Health, Your Way podcast, the health podcast for renegades. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and the creator of the website, therenegadenp.com. I have over 10 years of clinical experience helping patients heal their bodies and feel their best. I'm here to share actionable information about integrative health, nutrition, and fitness that can get you started on your journey to optimal wellness. I'm also here to answer your questions and talk with health and wellness experts. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Health, Your Way podcast. I hope you're doing well. I know I've been in hibernation mode here in Anchorage, Alaska. Thanksgiving weekend, I ended up pretty much not leaving my house for five whole days, which is a long time even for me. I tend to be a homebody, but typically end up um, leaving the house at least every couple of days. But since the weather has been all over the place and we are under six hours of daylight now and falling, I'm turning into a hermit. Also, adventures in podcast recording, I waited until... Our neighbor's dog was barking at something that I can't see. Um, I hope you can't hear it. I hope my dogs don't start barking, but this is life right now. So since Alaska is sliding into darkness and my habits have drastically changed over the course of the fall and winter compared to what they were like in the summer, it got me thinking about light and mood. And I'm not really sure how caffeine came into all of this, but somehow it did. And here we are. If you think it's weird that I kind of even thought about this connection, this is just how my brain works. My Google search history is full of random queries about things like this. Um, I know that if I tried hard enough, I could probably find connections between things that aren't really connected. But this connection, especially the caffeine piece, again, I don't remember how that came into play here, um, but it wasn't that hard to find connections. And before I lose you, because you think that I'm going to tell you to stop drinking coffee because it's going to give you anxiety... That's not entirely what I'm going to say. If I told, if you told me to stop drinking coffee, you would have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands first. I will switch to decaf before I will stop drinking it. But I did learn some interesting things um, about light and caffeine and anxiety that I wanted to share. Let's dive right in. First, there are obvious connections between light and mood. Anybody who suffers from seasonal affective disorder understands this. Anyone who lives in a place where there are big changes in patterns of light and dark across the season also understands this. And anyone who lives in a sunny place because it makes them happy understands this concept. There are direct connections between light and mood, and this is the reason that you feel happy on a sunny day. So one of your three types of photoreceptors directly responds to light and acts on certain brain regions that regulate emotions. But there are also indirect connections as well. These are connections that we believe contribute to mood disorders when they're disrupted. So these systems include sleep disruption, brain plasticity, hormone secretion, neurotransmitters, and gene expression. There are studies showing that there are structural changes in the brains of people who have circadian rhythm disruption, such as flight attendants who work on international flights or shift workers. In humans, circadian rhythm is partially regulated by sunlight and is responsible for synchronizing certain biological and behavioral processes. I talked a little bit about this in the last episode when I was talking about how important it is to go to bed at the same time every night. Some of the important processes that are regulated by the circadian rhythm are sleep-wake behavior, hormone secretion, cellular function, and again, gene expression. If those sound like important processes, they are. They are so important 
that there is increasing evidence showing that continued disruption of these processes and systems can lead to serious health problems, certain cancers, metabolic dysfunction, and mood disorders. This is one of the many reasons why I won't stop talking about how important good sleep is. So we have three different types of photoreceptors to detect light. The first two are rods and cones, and those are responsible for most of our vision. The third type are called intrinsically photoreceptive retinal ganglion cells, or IPRGCs, and they contain a substance called melanopsin. I think I'm saying that right. I've actually never heard anybody say that, so I'm not entirely sure. This makes them photosensitive and allows them to perform non-image forming functions, including a process called circadian phototransduction, which is a cellular process that turns light into electrical signals in your brain. Don't worry, there won't be a quiz on any of these terms later, and if you don't really understand what I just said, that's fine too. The gist is that there are some receptors in your eyes that allow your body to turn light into electrical signals, which, if you think about it, is incredibly cool. So here's where things get interesting. Melanopsin responds the strongest to blue light. Blue light is emitted from the sun and is the strongest during the day. So it's this that allows your circadian rhythm to sync with the light-dark cycle of a 24-hour day. Last week, I also talked about making sure that the light in your house is as dim as possible in the evening or within a couple hours of you going to bed. This is because the regulation of your circadian rhythm To better understand this, we're going to talk about some numbers here. I mentioned in the last episode that if you were to get a light therapy light to make sure that you're getting enough daylight exposure, you wanted to make sure that it was at least 10,000 lux. In direct sunlight, the light of the sun is anywhere from 32,000 lux to 100,000 lux. Ambient daylight is about 10,000 to 25,000 lux, and an overcast day is about 1,000 lux. The light from the moon is anywhere from 0.32 to 1 lux. The light from your laptop screen, so if you're sitting in an otherwise dark room with just your laptop on and no other lights, is about 50 lux. The average living room in a house is about 150 lux with all the lights on. So if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, the light from your laptop is about 50 times stronger than the light from a full moon, but nowhere near as close to as strong as daylight is even on a cloudy day. So using your laptop or other screens that emit blue light at night provides just enough light to disrupt your circadian rhythm by preventing sleep, but not enough to make your brain think that it's daytime. So can you see how this leads to disrupted sleep? Your brain is constantly being told to stay awake by the light signals all around you. We evolved to have our brains expect no more than about one lux of light when the sun goes down, and I'm sure we're slowly adapting to this as we Uh, evolve in conditions where there's more light, but given the increase in sleep and mood disorders, it seems like we are not adapting all that well. The exposure to too much light at night inhibits melatonin production. Remember that melatonin is a hormone that peaks at night to help us get a good night's sleep and is responsible for regulation of the sleep phase of your sleep-wake cycle. Sleep disruption is also a major factor in a lot of mood disorders, including depression and anxiety. It is speculated in the research that when your sleep is disrupted and you can't complete a full circadian cycle, the systems regulated by your circadian rhythms become suppressed and mood disorders can be a result of that. So this becomes a bit of a vicious cycle where it's difficult to to determine what the cause is. The other thing is that blue light increases cortisol, which makes us feel alert and increases our ability to feel alert and react to things. This is fine during the day, but at night this can be problematic. 
Also, blue light causes damage to cells. The sun emits a full spectrum of light. So yes, it emits blue light, which is necessary for circadian regulation, but it also damages cells. And it emits red light, which actually protects cells. Artificial light, especially what comes from screens, is just blue light, which is damaging to the skin and eyes without the protection from red light. There is a link between blue light and mood disorders too. Blue light disrupts brain plasticity, neurotransmission, and hormone secretion, partly because it tells the master clock in our brain, remember those receptors that turn light into electrical signals? So blue light tells the master clock in our brain that it's daytime, or at least that it's not light, not nighttime, and then we don't go to sleep. If we do go to sleep in this state, it's usually not good quality sleep. According to a study done at Harvard, it's possible that up to 90% of adults with depression also have sleep disorders. And on the flip side of that, you are four times more likely to develop a sleep issue if you have depression. The other piece of this hormone disruption is related to cortisol because this hormone, like so many others, runs on a circadian rhythm, which is again why it's important to keep a regular schedule so that your body's hormone secretion coincides with what is actually happening because it does take some time for that pattern to shift, um, your cortisol and melatonin production to shift if your schedule shifts. So cortisol peaks about one to four hours after you wake up. This is called the cortisol awakening response. Then levels of cortisol should come become almost non-existent after dark as melatonin peaks. If you flip this because of too much exposure to blue light in the evening and not enough exposure to daylight during the day, you get high levels of cortisol in the evening and very low cortisol in the morning, which leaves you at an increased susceptibility to stress and anxiety. Blue light can be helpful for anxiety and depression if you're exposed to it at the right time of day, so early in the day. This is why daytime light exposure is important. When you're exposed to sunlight, dopamine and serotonin are released, and this is why the sun makes you feel happy. But what's happening more and more is that people are exposed to less natural light and more artificial light throughout the day. They get up and they go to work, or at least they used to go to work. Maybe now you just go to your home office down the hallway, but you sit in an office with artificial lights on all day. This does not have the positive impact on dopamine and serotonin levels that the sun does. So missing out on that daytime sunlight exposure is negatively impacting your mood and neurotransmitters. All this to say, blue light from your screens is doing you no favors at night. So then add on top of that, what happens when you wake up feeling tired? You drink coffee to help you wake up. How does that contribute to this vicious cycle? Caffeine can increase your stress hormones, mess with your neurotransmitters and increase anxiety. However, there is also research that shows that caffeine may actually help some people feel less anxious and depressed. So like all things in the world of medicine, this is not an either or situation. The speculation in the literature is that caffeine causes anxiety in those who are highly sensitive to it. If you want to learn more about coffee and caffeine sensitivity, I've got a whole podcast episode about that that I'll link in the show notes. Um, There are those who are especially sensitive to coffee and caffeine, which is just a genetic variant. And those people have negative reactions at lower doses than those people who are not as sensitive. Several research studies do show that those who consume moderate to high amounts of caffeine do have increased anxiety levels compared to those who do not consume caffeine at all. Again, note that there are also studies that show that there is no increase in anxiety in those who consume moderate amounts of caffeine. The point being, if you feel like you have a problem with sleep or anxiety and you drink coffee, you might consider switching to decaf or stopping coffee completely to see how that changes things. There are also studies showing that people who have mental health issues, specifically panic disorder and depression, experience larger negative effects from caffeine consumption. 
There's also some evidence that excess intake of caffeine might interfere with treatment plans of patients who have bipolar disorder or other manic type mood disorders. Caffeine also increases cortisol, which if you're already having trouble sleeping because maybe your cortisol is much higher at night than it should be, your coffee might actually be making it worse, especially if you're drinking it later in the day. In the spirit of full disclosure, I would like to tell you that it is four o'clock in Anchorage right now as I am recording this, and I am enjoying a cup of my second cup of coffee for the day. So this is a uh, do with it what you want piece of information, and I will not judge you if you have trouble sleeping and you continue to consume caffeine in the afternoon because, well, I do it too and I would be a hypocrite to tell you otherwise. One study also showed that while you do develop a tolerance to the effects of caffeine, it does still affect your cortisol levels, maybe just to a slightly lesser extent as you develop that tolerance. The same study concluded that an elevation of cortisol occurs in the afternoon hours in those consuming repeated doses of caffeine throughout the day. This is me right here which means that you either aren't getting your spike in cortisol until later in the day, or you're getting multiple spikes of cortisol throughout the day, and both of these can be problematic. I will also say, as I drink my four four o'clock cup of coffee, that I rarely have trouble going to sleep. Um, So this is something that I have tested, and I'm willing to gamble. Sometimes I do have trouble, but more often than not, I don't have trouble going to sleep if I drink coffee late in the day. So this is an important uh, PSA about knowing your body. It is also important to remember that cortisol is your stress hormone and is one of the things that becomes elevated when you have a fight or flight response. So if you're feeling anxious throughout the day, like you need to get away from something, it could be that coffee is contributing to a stress reaction and making you feel anxious. Some research also shows that chronic caffeine consumption might contribute to insulin resistance, which can lead to increased inflammation and causes further imbalances in neurotransmitters, which can lead to mood issues. The mechanism behind this is thought to be that because coffee induces a stress response, which releases cortisol, which tells your body to dump glucose out of your liver and burn it for fuel, you end up with glucose in your bloodstream in preparation for fighting or running away to save your life. But you don't actually do any of these things, so your blood sugar goes up, and then your body has to release insulin to deal with it since you didn't use it like your body thought you were going to. And over time, when this happens chronically, you develop insulin resistance. This is a very broad strokes view of how this works. I've got another podcast episode where I specifically talked about insulin resistance. If you want better details, I will link that in the show notes as well. Okay, let's tie this all together. Blue light at the wrong times and in the wrong doses messes up your sleep. It changes the patterns of cortisol and melatonin secretion and disrupts your circadian rhythm, which in turn can cause mood disorders like anxiety and depression. When you're tired, you drink coffee, which also increases your cortisol at the wrong time, like later in the afternoon and can mess with your sleep too. Messed up sleep increases your risk for mood disorders, and if you already have one, it can make them worse. Also, one thing I want to mention about taking melatonin for sleep, which I talked about a little bit more in depth in the last episode, is melatonin is produced in response to darkness, or actually in response to a lack of blue light. And it's actually blue and green light. And if you're going to take melatonin for sleep, but not do any of the other things like turning down the lights or wear blue blocking glasses you're actually going to create more of a problem. Because if melatonin is produced in the absence of blue light, but you're taking it exogenously in the presence of blue light, you're overriding your biology in a way that is likely going to affect your natural production of hormones in the long run. I did a quick search, and I couldn't find any actual research about this topic specifically, 
but I would think that it's similar to what happens when you are constantly overriding your hunger signals, which are also regulated by hormones. If you eat when you're not hungry or you don't eat when you are hungry, over time, those hormone signals start to mean less to your body. So I'm guessing that taking melatonin when you're also being exposed to higher levels of blue light causes your body to stop listening to the melatonin signaling as much as it used to. So the bottom line here is limit your nighttime blue light exposure as much as you can. And if you have anxiety or sleep issues, maybe reevaluate your caffeine usage, at least temporarily. It seems so simple summed up like that when it's taken me 20 minutes to talk through all of this, but I love getting into the nerdy details about this kind of stuff, and I hope that you loved it too. Even if you don't necessarily change any of your behaviors or this doesn't directly affect you, I hope that you still find this interesting. I always find it interesting to know how things work. I challenge you to do an experiment with blue light at night and see what happens. Track your sleep for a few nights without changing anything, and then make a conscious effort to decrease the amount of blue light you're exposed to in the evening. So wear some blue light blocking glasses and see if that um, changes your sleep at all. In the show notes, I will link to um, an Amazon page of blue light blocking glasses. There are, you can get cheap ones, you can get expensive ones. Start with something that is on the cheaper side to see if that's something that you would wear and use. And you can always upgrade later if you feel like they are useful for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this, these episodes, I'd love it if you would stop by the Apple Podcasts app and give this show a rating and or a review. Also, if you have a question that you would like me to answer on the podcast, you can send me an email at hello at therenegadenp.com. I've got a couple in the queue already, but I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. 